Welcome back. Uh, getting ready for some playoff foot, football here on the Your Prep Sports preview podcast. Again, we still have not come up with a catchy name for this, so it's still the Your Prep Sports <laughs> preview podcast. But it's descriptive, so there's no harm in that, right, Ryan? Everybody knows what we're doing, at least, right? <laughs> that is Ryan Merkin, the publisher of Your Prep Sports. I am Rob Howe. Uh, back for a second week of these, and uh, time to get excited, folks. We're heading into the playoffs. We've got two local games this weekend. We're going to hit on previewing those two games, and then at the end of the podcast, we will look at the teams that are idle this week and what they face the next week, and then next week we'll, we will preview those games as we get closer to those games. But uh, let's kick things off this week. With uh, we'll kick things off in 4A uh, with um, Atumwa at Iowa City City High. Uh, before I let Ryan roll here, I'm going to go through for the uninitiated. I'm sure uh, most of you folks did not pay close attention to what uh, Atumwa, the Atumwa Bulldogs, <laughs> did this season. So let's go through uh, their schedule real quick. They had their first game against uh, Burlington. Um, canceled, so they picked up Central DeWitt, uh, lost that game 14-7. to uh, Then they were at Oskaloosa, lost that game 21-14. to uh, Played winner set, lost that 33-14. to Had its game against Ames canceled. Played Marshalltown, lost 42-21. to Southeast Polk, which there's no disgrace in this this loss was 69 to 21. And then they ended up rescheduling Ames last week and lost 42 to 21. So my remedial math skills tell me, Ryan, that that is 0 and 6, had some close games early, uh, giving up yeah. a lot of points, it looks like. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what stands out when you look at it is in those, they were in those games early. And then later in the season, you know, against that 4A competition. And like you said, I mean, that's skewed a little bit by playing one of the best teams in the state in, in uh, Southeast Polk. But they've given up a lot of points. And I think that's what sticks out initially when you look at when you look at a Tumwa. Yeah, they do have a senior quarterback, Adam Denniston. Um, numbers are not great. Um, He's thrown for 562 yards, four touchdowns with six picks. Um, so, obviously, the, the passing game is not uh, – I would not call it prolific. Uh, they do also have a senior running back um, receiver who's, who's done pretty well. Uh, they have a couple of, of uh, senior running backs uh, that, you know, pick up the bulk of their yardage, actually three of them. Uh, Colton McKinnon, Kai Glosser, Adam Palma – uh, by my by my account here, account for pretty much most of the 829 yards on the ground. Glosser leading the way with 564 and five touchdowns. He's averaging 4.8 a pop on on the ground, which is very respectable. Um, and then Colton McKinney, it looks like a guy they use both in the receiving yeah. and rushing game, yeah. as they do with Glosser as well. It looks like their running backs are very involved in the running and passing game. Yeah, and just in my, you know, in the really brief breakdown that I do, you know, I'm not, I'm not studying the tape of this the way that the city high coaches are right now, obviously, right. but 
when you look at it, the guys that, that kind of pop out for you for 0-6 team are McKinnon. Um, he only has, you know, 15, 16, 18 carries, something like that. You can probably tell me, but he's averaging like 13 yards a carry and has a couple touchdowns, which tells you that he's gotten some big plays in the run game. And then he, he only like has a handful. He looks like their playmaker, Ryan. He's yeah. got 14 carries for 186 and two touchdowns, yeah. which is 13.3 yards per carry. And then on yep. the receiving end, he's caught five passes for 103 and a yep. touchdown, 20.6 a catch. So not yep. a lot and of volume there, but looks dangerous when he gets the ball. Exactly. And that's the type of thing when you get into these games, you know, playoff games and it's sometimes, you know, like I go back to the, to the Liberty, um, Cedar Rapids Jefferson game I watched where, you know, you look at Jefferson on paper, they're not super impressive, to be honest with you, but they had one kid on their team that kind of popped statistically like that. And he was really good and he got some big plays, but Liberty managed to keep him out of the end zone. And that's kind of the thing is, you know, if that guy rips off 20 yards and you don't give up the, the 80 yard play, you know, and you don't let him get a touchdown out of that, sometimes that's, that can really be key. And then the other guy to watch out for is, um, Trey Schwartz in their receiving game. And I, I just know because I've watched him play basketball. Um, he's a really good athlete. I mean, he's a he's every bit of – I don't know what they list him at, but he's every bit of probably 6'4", 230. I mean, he's a really nice-sized kid. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I think they list him as a tight end. I'm assuming they flex him out and try to get matchups for him. But I think he had easily – I don't think they had anybody over four or five catches, and I think he had 24 or 25. So he's, he's the guy you have to watch out for. 23 for 325. He averages 14 uh, a reception by far. Yeah. They, don't, they didn't have anybody else in double digits in terms of receptions. He had 23 yeah. and three of their four receiving touchdowns. And we, yeah, it's interesting, interesting to see. We talked about McKinnon. You know, he's a guy that uh, it'll be – he seems like a guy that they may move around a little bit and try to look for matchups. Right. And then Glosser's their right. main running back. Right. And Schwartz is a legit athlete too, so – um, I'm not sure exactly how they use them again without seeing him, but he's a guy that when you, and, and he pops in the stats too, but he, he can move and run and, and I've seen him, you know, just athletically play. So he's a guy that they're going to have to key on. Um, Looks sure like they've somebody, got I'm sure a, that's somebody they try to force the ball into a little bit. Yeah. Looks like uh, they've got a couple guys over 30 tackles that lead the team. Zach Ross uh, has 37 tackles. And Austin Fountain has 31 and a half tackles. So those are their two leading tacklers. And they do have six picks this season. They, they do. I saw that. Um, they, have, they have a, they have a four, guy with three. They've got 10 takeaways, four fumble yep. recovers, and six picks. So something to keep an eye on when, especially considering, and we'll get into this more with City, a City High team that um, has probably had more turnovers than it would like. Yeah. And that's. I, I, I was just going to say, you lead me right into it. So we can kind of, we lead right into city, but we went over Atoma, you know, we'll try to go over Marion and, and kind of introduce, especially that's what, that's what's fun about the playoffs, Rob, is you're seeing teams lots of times that you don't see every right. year, you know, you don't see in your district. And I think that's fun for fans. I know it's fun for me. You kind of get to learn about these teams. I haven't seen an Atoma team in four or five years since city had them in their district, you know, a while back, but um this week for City, and I'm sure their coaches have mentioned this. I would assume their coaches have mentioned this. This week for City is as much about City it is, as it is about who they're lining up against, in my opinion. You know, they've had two winnable games um, coming out of their – after that three-week layoff that, that they've lost both of. I think this is a big kind of that internal, like, let's get better and look at ourselves week. They're um, – I looked at their negative five on turnover 
margin this year. And, you know, they've played four games. And I think it's – I think they've committed nine. I have that somewhere. I think they've committed nine and forced four. But seven of those that they've committed have come these last two weeks. So in those two games they've lost to Linmar and, and Liberty, both the Linmar game ends up two touchdowns, 50 to 36. But that was a one-score game back and forth all the way. They turned it over four times in that, and then they turned it over three times in a game that they lose, you know, basically on the last play of the game. So if you're City High, you're, you're going, hey, we clean this stuff up. We're okay. But you make a good point. You're talking about a team that's taken it away ten times too, you know, playing some pretty good teams. So turnovers are always key. But I think for City High it's a matter of, you know, holding on to the ball, not making those turnovers, and then letting their offense kind of do what they do against a defense that's given up a lot of points. Yeah, you got to wonder, Ryan, and hopefully if you're City, you're looking at this from the positive angle, and I don't know why it wouldn't. But, you know, those seven turnovers came after the long layoff right. where, you know, timing is an issue in the passing game, and you're not really dealing with contact in terms of fumbles. Right. So, you know, right. center exchange, all those things that you need to uh, – all those skills you need to hone in practice, right. you know, and, and – and, and, you know, they, they talked about they did get together and they didn't pray. It wasn't like they didn't see each other, but it's not the same when you're not out there every right. day with a real true practice. And you're not hitting, and I think right. that's big. And then, and then it comes after you only had two games to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. so, right. so you're not really fully into that. And with the way practices are now, it's not like they'd hit for two months when they, when they had to take a break, right? I mean, they probably had a, a couple of weeks of hitting before their first game and, and hitting, you know, contact, full pads, whatever you want to call it. But we will, as we keep doing these types of things, we'll podcast, Rob, we'll try to get some coaches in here. And sometime we'll have to talk to football coach. We'll have to have the turnover discussion with a couple, <laughs> couple coaches because it's, it's just fun because I'm as a, as a media person, there's an element to it of preparation and everybody does the turnover circuit everybody does the tip drill, everybody works on stripping the ball, you know, doing those things. But I think a big element of it is kind of random that evens itself out. Right. And, that, and no coach, and I said the coaches, because no coach will ever admit that, right? Turnovers are forced, and the ones that you commit, you know, you got to hold on to the ball, you got to make smart decisions as a quarterback. But I think there's an area of randomness to it when you get a helmet on a football or a bad exchange and, and some of those things that both teams are going to have a little bit. Or you see the ones that somebody drops the ball and it bounces. There's four guys there from one team and it bounces to the only guy, the only way it could to the guy to the other team or the only way it could to the right back to the ball carrier. You know, it hits the ground on the tip and bounce right back up. So, but I'm not, you know, I haven't seen all these city high turnovers. I don't know what the type of turnovers they've been, but they're about due for one of those games where they're in the plus category. They haven't been in the plus category all year. You know, they were minus one, minus one, minus two, minus one to get to their, you know, minus five. But hopefully that's something where they can flip that around a little bit in the postseason starting on starting on Friday against Tumla. What other keys you see here besides this protecting the football and, and, you know, limiting mistakes? I think penalties are part of that too. And sure. you know, special yeah. teams in the, in the playoffs are yeah. often um, in very important. Yeah. I looked this up today. Um, because I was kind of curious about this and I felt like after these last two weeks that, and, and not just score Rob, but looking at these games, I felt like city high is not that far away from being 
you know, two and, and again, not just score, but being two and two or being three and one or whatever. And like I said, I watched the West game. It wasn't, that wasn't an overly close game, obviously. West jumped on them. But they win that first game against Davenport Central and they've lost three in a row. And even if you take the layout out or the layoff out, I just kind of wanted to look at what, as much as I could, you know, without having every play on video in front of me or whatever. Right. And one of the things that I thought they had to do this season to be successful was control the ball. You know, they have a, they have a nice offensive line. They have a quarterback that, that can be efficient in the run game, especially between the tackles, and kind of control the ball. And so I, I went back and looked. In their games, they've run 13 more plays than their – and this is just more offensive snaps than their opponents. They've run 13 more, 24 more, 16 more, and 15 more. And, and you know, lost three of those games. And you look at that, and some of those things can be skewed because the, the, the game they run, they ran 24 more plays than their opponent was West. Well, West averaged 11.7 yards per play, so they had a lot of big plays. You know, <laughs> is that good? Had, is 11.7 I mean, good? <laughs> and so there's – for every – I love stats, but there's always something that can skew a stat, right? You know, right. and they ran 15 more than, than Liberty on Friday. Well, Liberty had a pick six. Right. So that's the time that you're on offense, then you go right back on offense. You know, in that West game, West returned the opening kickoff. So that so basically, City has the first offensive possession to start both halves, you know. But, but still, that's a good thing they've done. And then when you look at yards per play in those games, they averaged 6.9 in their first game to 5.8 for their opponent. That was a win. They averaged – the outliers, they averaged 4.8 yards per play against West, and West averaged 11.7. But you look at their last two games, both losses, City runs 16 more plays than, than Linmar and averages 6.4 yards per play. Linmar averages 6.6. Last week, they run 15 more plays than Liberty. They average five yards a play. Liberty averages 5.8. So my point is, it's just that I think they're doing a lot of the stuff that they want to do, control the ball, long drives, you know, play some of that complimentary football a little bit where I think their strength is in – offensively and holding on to the ball and getting obviously getting points out of those drives, but, you know, keeping the other team's offense off the field a little bit. And I think they're doing a lot of that stuff. You're, they're just maybe not seeing the end result that they want to. So that's something that I look at this week is, you know, I, nobody goes into a game and it's like, Oh, you know what element of the game I'm really excited about to see how many plays this team can run. <laughs> like that's not like what you, that's not what you look at, but I'm talking about long, sustained drives for city high that ends that end with points i mean big plays are great and they would take some explosive plays i'm sure because that's something that they've been lacking especially in their run game and having you know they had i think all their backs back back game back last game i don't know how healthy they were but getting some more explosive plays in the run game i'm sure would be something they they would love but just getting those those five five seven you know those chunk yardage rushing plays and then finishing those drives with touchdowns because ultimately assuming they get past Atumwa and, and you know we're not going to sit on here today and, and look way down the road for everybody but ultimately if they want to win game win a, a playoff game or win multiple playoff games past Friday they're going to have to control the ball and keep you know an offense like West High off the field so I think that's what I'm looking for against Atumwa is can they control the ball control the game with their offensive line in their running game and have long sustained drives that, that end with touchdowns. And I know you can say that about a lot of games, but I think that's really the way that they want to play. 
And Newsom did get back last week, so that's got to be a, you know yep. a, a plus. He he leads them right. with you know at at four point nine a carry. He and he and uh, Hamilton both average four point nine a carry. So um, and when I they're think, both healthy early, they're a good complement to each other. He ran well against West. Um, and Rafe is Rafe's really good in there, you know, running the ball between the tackles. He's a big physical kid. Um, and then um, Gable Mitchell's really. He's a good receiver. He's been a good receiver, but he's really developed in the way that they can use him, you know, all over the field. He's a guy that they can kind of rely on for those explosive plays. Um, yeah, 11 touchdown. 11 receptions for 235, 21.4 yeah. a catch and the two touchdowns. So, yeah, he's their he's their dangerous season. But they've got, you know, Colby Kutra, you know, he's caught 12 balls. Will Larson's got five catches for 80. And a touchdown. Yeah. So he's got, you know, they've got some options in the passing game as well. I want to see them move the chains. And, and that's where Kutcher is a, a, a really good, as we talked about the way I think they want to play on offense, he's a really good weapon for them. Um, he's a big target, good hands, can move the chains. And I, I just think that's the big thing this week is move the chains, move the chains, move the chains, sustain those drives. And then the other, the other key that I think you look at in these games, Rob, and I know you've probably said this a lot about games is, you have a team – I mean, the motivational factor, you get to play at home. And, and not – I mean, everybody wants to play again. You know, uh, Atomo's only had six games, and this is a weird year. But just you're at home in a, in a playoff game, a, a, a big start is key. And it always is, I think, in every game you can say that. But, man, if you can kind of take some of their um, motivation to be there away, if you can get a couple scores in the first quarter, if you can be up, you know – 14, 21 points before halftime, it kind of becomes like, you know, motivationally, like, you know, how much do we want to be here in the second half? Um, yeah, I think for, that's something that for that a you, you look at. Be like Groundhog Day. Up oh, here we go. Yeah. Lost six games. Here we go again. We're down two touchdowns. Right. Three touchdowns. Right. Can you keep right. it? And, and really the, probably the better way to say it is the longer they hang around, the right. more they believe that they have a chance to do something, something special. Because we talked about that, you know, the other day, shocking somebody, you know, and that's, that's what you're playing for here, you know. Not, not necessarily shocking somebody in this game, but having the chance to keep playing. You're playing for, for another game. So the longer that, they're, that they feel like they're in that game, and that's not to say they can't be. I'm just saying the longer they feel like they are, or the quick, if you're city high, the quicker you can make them feel like they're not in the game, the better that you are. This is a game that I think city high – can control, you know, and that's, like I said, control it with the things that you're best at, which is running the football, keeping the, keeping the ball, controlling the ball, controlling the game, and you playing to your strengths. And I will make this note. I just looked this up while we were chatting. Um, 7 p.m. Friday evening, which is when this ball game is scheduled to kick off. Clear skies. So, no precipitation. 46 degrees at kickoff, Ryan. That's better. I was going to guess – I really was going to guess 30s. I know it's getting cold. It's playoff time. I know it's getting cold. I've already seen it. I got the no, windows open. No wind either. Four-mile-an-hour wind. So, the conditions That's, are perfect for football. Yeah. I mean, for, no, for October football – I almost right. said November. For October football, um, that's great. I got the windows open at the – your prep sports home office today because I think it's the last time I can do that in a while. So <laughs> airing this place out one more time. Get everything out before the funk settles in. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> For the winter. 
Okay. Anything else you think we need to hit on here for city, the city, uh, a Tomwood city high game, any other notes? I anything else? I don't think so. Like I said, I think this is one where, again, I'm not taking anything away from a Tomwood. I'm really not. I haven't watched him a lot, but this is one of those games for city high. If you're going to go further than one game and you got to take care of this one first, because you know, you, you know, this, I mean, they'll come, they're going to come up here and want to, and, and do everything they can to win this game. Obviously, they have nothing to lose. Tum- uh, talking about a tumble, but if you're a city high, this can be one of those focus on yourself, and then one of those get yourself right games a little bit. Because what I wanted to point out early with all those numbers that everybody was probably just like went right over everybody's head is I don't think city highs. I I still I told you a couple of weeks ago I thought they were a lot better. I don't think that they're that far away from people being like, man, this is a really pretty good team. And instead, you lose a couple games. You go in, you're playing this Friday when only, you know, there's only seven other teams playing and people are like, oh yeah, you know, they're just, they're in that same spot. I don't think they're far off. You flip those turnovers, the last three games from being, you know, negative three or whatever to plus three, they might be three and one right now, you know, and that's, again, I'm not taking anything away from Liberty or, or Linmar either. I'm just saying, I don't think they're that far away. I think this can be one of those get right games for them. They take care of business, they focus on themselves. They win this thing by a couple touchdowns and then you get a chance to, you know, to roll it out there in, in a couple or in, you know, what would be a couple weeks from now or the Friday after that and see what happens against your biggest rival. Why not? Yeah. I mean, great opportunity now and it's do or die. There's no, you know, right. These are cliches, but a lot of times cliches <laughs> are cliches because they're true. You, you lose this one, you turn the ball over and make mistakes and let a Tumwa hang around and, you know, make this a fourth quarter game and, you know, maybe a ton, you know, if it goes that way, then instead right. of you building that early lead and making a ton with think about itself right. and what, it, you know, where it's been, you get to the right. fourth quarter and you've kept a ton in the game because of your poor play, then you're in right. your head and you're thinking, oh, right. I'm going to blow this again because, you know, we're right. not playing well. So, right. And I should mention they've had leads in both of those last two games right. too. And, and yeah. not, and not like a, not like a three zero or a seven zero game. I, I couldn't tell you the last time they led in the Lindmar game, but they were in that game all the way. It wasn't yeah. like they were playing catch up from 16 down. I can't remember what their last lead was, but you know, they're up 17, seven second quarter last week, you know? So it's like, like you said, finishing games, you know, kind of in taking that element of, of your own, you know, if there's any self-doubt in there or whatever, that, like you said, that groundhog, here we go again. Um, I, I, I do want to mention, I tweeted this, and I'm getting us off topic. I'm sorry. Good thing we only have two games to go over this week, Rob. But we were, we, we really were doing the, the field turf regular, um, regular, or uh, grass versus field turf, not debate a little bit. We were talking about it. And it was like a, I don't really a day think later or whatever. I, I think. What's that? I don't think it's a debate. I think if you prefer to play on field turf, you're a communist. <laughs> and maybe I'm going a little I, overboard there, but we, I mean, natural grass. I mean, why would you not want to play on grass? We talked about that. And then I don't even remember where I was going, but I drove by Bates field on like that Thursday or whatever it was. I think I was going to cross country at kickers and I drove by and they already had it all painted. And I was just like, man, that you know what I mean when you get the yeah. really nice paint paint job on a grass field and, and they do the end zones and they have the logo at midfield and I, I'm guessing they did it on like maybe Thursday afternoon so it was like 
it was fresh, fresh. And I mean, I drove by and I wasn't even looking. It just kind of caught it out the corner of my eye. And I was like, man, there's no, especially on a Friday night or even in college, a night game under the lights, man. I know we had some comments on that um, from people on Twitter, mostly saying that they liked natural grass, but. Yeah, I mean, I you, like look, the, you look at the players' uniforms, they got grass stains on them or maybe some paint right. from the logo, and they right. you know, picking dirt, you know, picking sod out of their helmets after it. I mean, that's football. I, I will say, and this is – I'll never be in this position, but if I, if I was building one and I had to, like, maintain it or do any of that stuff, I would probably just go with field turf, Right. I mean, I really oh, would. If I could have field I, turf at my house and not have to cut my grass, I'd, I'd lay <laughs> that stuff down tomorrow. <laughs> so I see the merit of it. I'm just saying, like, as a fan, like, you're exactly right. And, and you do, even as a fan, the, the smell, I know that was something that somebody mentioned on our comments, but it's like, yeah. you know, you get that really nice mode. And even, like, it sounds crazy. I'm not, but, like, you know, that, that paint kind of smell and the, yeah. the grass I mean and like you said I mean just watching on a game who doesn't like to see the guy the running back after you know 45 carries that gets up and his uniform's like you know brown and green and there's a grass stain <laughs> on his back and got the big hunk of sod you're right yeah all the way so that's a bonus for those going out to Bates Field <laughs> on Friday night for a Tumwa <laughs> At City High, uh, first round class 4A playoff game with the winner going to West High. And we'll hit that a little bit more uh, at the end of this podcast. But let's move on, Ryan, to uh, Marion at Clear Creek Amanda in the 3A playoffs Friday evening in Tiffin. Uh, go through Marion here. And uh, are they still the Indians? Or does that, does that nickname drop right away here? Or what? I, th- I know the school board think- voted 5-2 to two to yeah. – Change the nickname, which I think if it's offensive yeah. to people, that's probably a good idea, but we're not going down that road. But will you call are you still using that nickname in your copy? And uh, Yes. Okay. Yeah, good story in the Gazette, Cedar Rapids Gazette about that. Yes, I did read that. that. Cover I there. Um, but I, I believe it's after the twenty twenty one school year. Um, okay. so you know, I mean they have it they have it on all their or I should say they have it on all their jerseys. Presumably they have it on jerseys, they have it on scoreboard, etc. So, you know, it's all it's all around. I mean, that's been their nickname for, you know, since, I'm assuming since the school started. So, right. but, but so yeah, that will be, you know, in our preview and all, you know, in this game coverage, you know, that's what they will be. Um, but I'm, I'm the way I understood it. It's after this, you know, it would be like this summer when they have a chance to kind of, you know, reorder jerseys and redo everything and stuff. But Brand- good story in the Gazette about that. Yep. I would agree. Um, so let's go through Marion's season first here. Uh, you know, of note, and I know you know this and probably a lot of the listeners do, but Marion had lost 11 in a row coming into this season, 0-9 last year. Got their first win right out of the gate on September the 5th um, against Center Point, Urbana, Center Point Urbana, uh, Storm and Pointers, uh, 29-20. to Um Lost the following week, no shame here, 42 to nothing against a strong assumption team. Beat Clinton. Top five team. Oh, uh, so they were two and one to start off before dropping their last three. They lost 17 to zero uh, against Wallert, 38 to seven against North Scott, and then tw- a tough 27 24 uh, setback against Central DeWitt. So, 
two and four coming into this one, and you know we may probably get you know accused of being hyperbolic here, Ryan. But I think this team's a pretty good two and four team. They're much better. They're much better. Much better. And and really, that two and four probably doesn't even um, like you said. It probably doesn't show how much improvement they've made. I mean, that's obviously you're zero and nine a year ago. That's not good. No. Um, obviously. And I think Clear Creek beat them for, I think it was 47-7 last year um, when they played. In. But, Rob, when you look at that schedule, you're talking about Norscott and Assumption are top 10 teams. Assumption's undefeated. They're a top five team in 3A right now. Norscott's always really good. They had some COVID issues, but I think they've lost once um, and are top 10 right now. They, and then they were very much in that Waller game that ended up 17-0. They're in that – I mean, obviously, 17-0, you're not out of it. But that wasn't – they were in that game the whole time. Um, and then center point Urbana is not a bad team at all that they beat in their opener. Uh, I think center point finished three and four. You know, Solon was beating them by a point, I think, maybe seven-six at halftime or something like that. So – and kind of put it on them in the second half. But center point is not a bad team. It's not like they beat two 0-7 teams. You know, I mean, they beat a, a, a quality team. And – and we, I like to just, you know, you, you like to mention things that you, you think are good stories, even outside of our area. I don't know all the specifics of this, but um, that area, their field and everything was really affected by the storm in August. Right. Um, I know that disrupted their practice schedule with the derecho. It's, and, and, I, and you think about that. I mean, these are high school kids that had a lot, many of them probably had their life disrupted in some kind of way, even if it was just, you know, cleaning up for a week or whatever. But yeah, that's a great point. And they come out two and one. I know it disrupted their practice schedule, and I know it disrupted their game schedule. They've played of their um, – they played six or seven? They're two and four. They're two and four. They've played six. So they, uh, they've played three Saturdays, a Thursday, and only two Fridays. And, and in fact, in, you know, again, I don't know that they're going to beat that assumption game or beat assumption anyway on any sort of a schedule. Assumption's very good. But they played that Saturday, beat, P- beat CPU, and then came back and played a Thursday after that. Yeah, you know, at, at against Assumption. So that's something they've had to deal with because of their field issues, the way I understand it. But a lot of Saturdays, you know, I think they played a game at Linmar. So that's just some adversity, a little bit too. Not huge things, but they're much improved. Um, and and I think you'll. And then yeah, I forgot to mention. Then they lose a by a field goal to Dewitt. Yeah. Um, so this is a game again. A lot like the game we just talked about. Motivated Clear Creek, and I don't, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be. Like, no reason. I don't read too much into that. But good locked-in Clear Creek. This is a game they should win. It's a, game they, it's a team they beat by 40 last year, a team that's much improved. But this is a game Clear Creek should control. But at the same time, this Marion team is probably a little bit better than what you think and what you see on paper. And, and like we talked about with the Tumwa, I know that they're going to be motivated to come play this game, talking about Marion. So I think it's a week that Clear Creek's got to focus on themselves and they'll be okay. But like we, like we just talked about, you know, this is a team that's going to come up here ready to play. I think an interesting aspect of this matchup, Ryan, and we talked about it Monday in the Seven Nation podcast, and you mentioned this as a key for Clear Creek, Amana moving forward, is the ability to stop the opponent's running game. And – Struggled last week against Grinnell, a really good back. So, uh, again, you don't want to go overboard in that. But 
the challenge this week for Clear Creek is being able to stop the rush. And at least from a st- statistical standpoint, that's Marion's bread and butter. I mean, Marion has rushed for 1,086 yards in six games, 5.6 a pop. Uh, you've got, you know, the leading rusher, Lucas Unson, is a senior. He averages 6.2, 528 yards in six games, 6.2. The quarterback, Alex Moda, 63 carries for 436, 6.9 uh, a carry, seven touchdowns. Unson has three. You look at Moda in the passing game, he's 18 for 53 for 213 yards, one touchdown and four picks. There's right. no – I mean – the you know the the Clippers knew last week Ryan that they were going to have to stop the run that that was you know the 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 challenge it's got the same challenge this week. Yep, and I think that's a I think that's for them I think that's a great timing to have and, and most high school teams want to run the ball obviously but I think that's good timing like you said you look you spend a week you look at what they did last week what they did against you and you say okay you know this is your top challenge again this week but a few numbers Rob. When they when Clear Creek's really had success this year, they've they've done a good job against the run. And some of this is obviously competition. Don't get me wrong, but um, against Muscatine, they gave up two thirty five on the ground in a win against Muscatine. Now Muscatine is is a four A team. And they have some good skill guys. But you look at their other their wins. Benton they gave up one nineteen on the ground. Oskaloosa one hundred one on the ground, and then Newton two seventy three. Um, that was a really lopsided game. I don't know how much of that came after halftime, you know, when games they garbage. Yeah, pretty much put away. But the three games they've lost, they gave up 244 to Mount Pleasant, 336 to Xavier, and 401 to Grinnell. Now, Grinnell has probably not probably, I, Grinnell has the arguably the best back in 3A, the most productive for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and Xavier is Xavier, and what they've built themselves on for years is being physical and running the football. So there isn't a I bunch of get, shame in that. I could get a few. I could at least get positive yardage behind Xavier's offensive line. I'm not gonna. I'm not breaking into the no, you know, in the open field, but I'm gonna get a couple yards, two or three, and then just dive. Yep. That's a four yard gain. A lot of dust time. and sweat and just pain. But there. <laughs> but that you're right. That's the key because one of the things I wrote down before you even said that is get a lead, and then you force them to throw. You know what I mean? If you can make yeah. them play from behind in a game where, you know, you got – take your wins. In the postseason, you take your wins, whether they're 3-2 to two or 2-0, two to zero, you know. And so if you can put, get them in a hole and force them to throw it when you look at their statistics offensively, and, then, and not only that, defensively, um, and, and you can make – you know, Teams have had some success running it, so if you're having success running it against the Clear Creek defense, why throw it? But part of that, I think, is they have some really good athletes in their in the back end of their defense um, that are the same athlete, some of which are the same athletes that are you know really key in their passing game. But Clear Creek has 12 interceptions this year. Wow! Given up and 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 uh, three allowed three passing touchdowns, and they're allowing 68 passing yards a game. So that's one of those things throughout the playoffs, if they can play with a lead a little bit and force teams to throw it, you know, and let their secondary make plays, they have some really good athletes back there. Ben Swales is a really good safety. They have some good corners. Um, they, I really like the way their secondary plays. And so if you can, especially in this game, 
you make Mary, you know, you get a couple touchdown lead, you force them to throw it at least some, or you know, if they want to run it, that's just shortening the game and you get out of there with a the win. But make them throw it and take advantage of, of the athletic diff- the athletic advantage that I think they have in that back four or five on defense. I think Marion's got some, by the looks of it here, they've got Marion's got seven takeaways, four fumble recoveries, three interceptions. So um, in six games, you know, they're a little over a turnover a game it's producing. So yeah, nothing really standing out there. The Clear Creek's been pretty good at taking care of the ball too, um, which this time of year, as we talked about amongst other things, the weather changes a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of one of those things where the, the turnovers aren't fluky, I don't think. It's, you know, when the weather gets not even rain or snow or anything like that, but it gets cold and some of those things, a lot of it's just taking care of the ball, you know, covering it up and taking care of the ball. And that's something they've been – really most of our area teams have been pretty good about, but I think they've been pretty good about that too. And having to see your quarterback helps as well. Just making smart decisions, knowing when to try to make a play, when to try to, you know, stretch out for extra yardage and not do that stuff too, so – All right. Um, so keys to the game there then, Ryan, is it's basically make Marion one-dimensional and then being able to hold up again. That one dimension's, you know, hopefully you, you force Marion to throw the ball a little bit where, where it's not comfortable. Um, right. Get them out of their comfort zone. Right. And that's something they weren't really able to do against Grinnell. A little bit, you know, they had some success – Putting them in, and, and you know, you got to win on first down, especially in high school football. Um, you know, make those second and longs, those third and longs. But I didn't think they were, as I went back over my stats and looked at kind of some of that stuff, I, I thought the key to that game was Grinnell was able to stay in that situation where they were, the run was always kind of on the table for them. You know, if you can, if you can push it to two scores late as the time winds down, you know, maybe it's a little bit harder to, to call run plays all the way. But that's something I think is, is big for them this week is, you know, making Marion one-dimensional, getting a little bit of a lead and, and making them try to beat you with the pass because Clear Creek's been so good at defending it. And then offensively, running the ball. I mean, Clear Creek's been really good the last month running the football. I was just going over their, their numbers defensively. It's, it's almost as impressive offensively, Rob. They went from averaging about 150 a game on the ground through through uh, four games, and their last three have been they've run for 300, 312, and, and 279. And obviously, again, part of that's probably competition a little bit um, with Oscaloos and Newton in there. But you know, they had 279 rushing yards last week against a team that's you know, finishes five and two. They ran the ball really well last week, and we have four. I, I had this in uh, our my prep rewind which I encourage people to find on yourpreptsports.com. Kind of look back at last week, but that was we have kind of four a, area. That was kind of a shameless plug right there. And I encourage it was. This podcast. Look, I'm not, I'm not too proud to, to plug the, <laughs> my work on the site, Rob. We probably should um, do that more. If you're listening to this podcast, please visit <laughs> yourpreptsports.com for all your there you go. local needs. <laughs> um, we have four running backs that, that realistically can get 1,000 yards this week. Um, and you know, and if they play a couple, if all those guys play a couple more games, um, they could easily get it. But Alex Figueroa is one of those guys. He's at 884 in seven games. That's really impressive. He's been really good this year, and um, he's a really fun, fun player to watch. Good kid to talk to too. But 
he's really kind of – I talked to Gabe Baker about him before the season because he kind of got thrown out there as a sophomore. They had some injuries and had a good sophomore year and, and split more time last year. They kind of used three guys in that tailback role, but they just – they wanted him to get a little bit bigger, you know, before they just kind of kind of fed him. And he had, you know, I think close to 30 carries last week. I can't remember, but – He's really become he's not that the type biggest of back. guy in the world either. To be lying. he's I mean, not. He's impressive. he's he's explosive. He's quick, but he's really, um, you know, he's he's well conditioned. I think right now, you know, he knows what it takes to do that after those two years, and they've rolled with him this year because Gage Freeman's a really good back too. Yeah, and he was productive in his carries last week, but Figueroa, they've really rolled with him. He's averaging six and a half a carry. I mean, that's that's excellent. Ten touchdowns. He's been really, really good. He was good last week as they just kind of controlled the clock. And, you know, so he needs, what, 116 to get to 1,000. And I just – I mean, that's always kind of a number that in any level, you know, NFL, even with the 16-game the schedule or college now where they play like – everybody plays like 30 games in college, it seems like. It used to be 11, you know, back in the day yeah. where everybody kicked off at 1 o'clock. I'm going to – everybody listen to this that's under the age of 18 is going to think I'm – insane but old man when i was a kid proud. when i <laughs> when i was a kid not every game was on tv and everybody kicked off at one o'clock and they everybody only played 11 games and time of possession meant something i'm gonna get on my soapbox here but gas was five cents a gallon a loaf of bread was a nickel <laughs> um but no he uh getting a thousand yards in a seven game regular season eight game you know i mean yeah. obviously you do the math on what he's averaging but He's been really, really good, and and that's and Ryan Navarre was really good in their their senior quarterback in the run game last week too, as they as Grinnell took away some of their pass stuff. But I mentioned it the first week we did this how much I liked their offense because how balanced they were and how explosive they were. Watching them last week, I really was impressed with their ability to run and not and and not rack up rushing yards by getting a sixty yarder or seventy yarder, but just their ability to get a push. Um, you know, get five, six yards, both of those guys to be physical, run between the tackles. So that's something, you know, obviously you, you hope that those guys don't need 20 carries this week. You keep them fresh. You know, you get them into that, that game the next week feeling good. But I, I, think, I think they found something a little bit there. Maybe not found. You know, they, like I just read off the rushing total, totals, they'd had, you know, high rushing total numbers. But they'd had a lot of big plays, explosive plays in the run game. So. That's something that I think if they can do, again, you know, it's not rocket science. It allows you to keep opposing offenses off on the sideline a little bit. So they've been, good in, they've been good in the run game lately. I, I see that continuing on Friday. And the longer that continues, the longer they'll be playing, I think, at Clear Creek. Yeah, you talked about the quick start with City High. If, if Clear Creek can do that as well, and, and just to highlight again, Marion struggles uh, with its passing game. Marion's averaging 35.5 yards throwing the ball per game. So if you can force it into having to throw the ball by getting a lead early, again, like you said, running the ball, keeping their offense off the field, when when Marion's offense does come on the field, it gets a little bit more antsy and – Right. You know, because right. it's playing catch up and, and, and it's not built to do that, you know, where, you know, it's average. They have a young quarterback. They, Marion averages 181 on the ground a game and 35 and a half throwing. So that just gives you that lack of balance there. 
right. you know that that we've we've gone you know we've talked about that throughout this yeah. this segment but that's i mean to me that stands out the most you know when you when you're breaking down this game yeah and there they have a young quarterback he's going to be good by all accounts i think he's you know he's got four or five hundred yards rushing he's a good athlete but you know if you can make him put him in some pressure in his first playoff game and, and getting pressure on him is great but if you can just put him in those pressure situations yeah. some third and longs you know some even if it's not third and long some known passing situations which usually are third and long but if you can kind of control the line of scrimmage and win on first down defensively, then you kind of get in those ones where you know they have to pass. You know, you get a little bit of a lead and make it, you know, put the game on his shoulders a little bit. By all accounts, he's going to be a really good player. And I just mentioned, you know, Alex Figueroa getting, and they had some other guys that kind of got tossed out there as young guys. It's hard in football in this state and 3A is good football, but the only the only way to get that experience is to get that experience, if, if that makes sense. And so he'll be a better player for it, but hopefully Clear Creek can you know, build that lead and, and put, put the young quarterback in some tough situations on Friday. Alex Moda is his name. And you got to think if, you know, he's forced into, you know, throwing some passes and he sees TJ Bowlers bearing down on him uh, one or two times, that kind of changes the complexion of the game as well. Uh, yeah. You wanna, if you're him, you want to know where 77's at, pre-snap, pretty much every play. And post-snap, yeah. I mean, all the time. Yes. All the time, you got You want to know where 77's at. And, and you probably will because he's usually around the football. So, so looking forward to that one. I'm going to be out shooting that one at least the first half of that game on Friday. So looking forward to that matchup and getting a chance to see Clear Creek again. I saw them against uh, – Benton, maybe earlier yep. this year. Yep. So, yep. And I, yeah, and I was impressed with them then. So, looking forward to getting. They're a fun team to watch. Their offenses, they can do. We've talked about this. They do a lot of different things on offense. Yeah. And I feel like, I, I don't know about this week. My, you never know. But I feel like they've always got a, they've always got an exotic mixed in there yeah. for you too. They had a, um, they tried to double pass last week. You know, like the, the whatever you want to call it, like throw it to the wide receiver backwards and he throws it downfield. I feel like they've always got something like that. So they're fun. Uh, their offense is explosive. I encourage that behavior on offense. If you want to try something oh, yeah. wacky, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> so that's a 7 o'clock kick out in Tiffin on Friday. So get out there and watch that. Um, for To wrap up the podcast, we're going to go through uh, – the pods for each class. We don't have brackets, so we're doing pods. Uh, and we touched on this before. The Ottumwa, Iowa City, City High winner gets Iowa City West, which has a bye. And that is in pod number seven of 16 pods, Ryan. In four don't, I don't know the pod numbers. Just like I don't know the district numbers, and just like I don't know the regional numbers for volleyball or for cross – until I go – and, and get like 10 minutes before the event, I don't know the numbers. So I know where they're at and who's in them usually, but I can't tell you the pod number. And hopefully this doesn't become, I, I shouldn't say this doesn't become a thing. I can't learn, I'm too old to be learning new things. Okay, so I'm too, too old to be memorizing pod numbers, Rob. I'm too so, stuck in my ways. So the city, city and West is in pod seven. So just using logic, where, what pod do you think Iowa City Liberty is in? 
Well, you'd think they'd be in six or eight, right? Yeah, and you'd be somewhere close. They're I, in pod five. Okay. <laughs> so who's in pod six? Pod six is Davenport North at Cedar Rapids Prairie. Okay. So pod five, uh, our other 4A team is Iowa City Liberty, obviously, um, has a bye this week, but is in pod five. So I'm wondering with, those, with the separation of the pods there, if Liberty was to come out of that, if it wouldn't face, you know, the potential winner of Weston City, being as they're separated by a pod. But that, I think we're getting too deep. No, I, I, think the, I think they're going to, you know, just truly, like they said, redraw it, but just reseed it basically, uh-huh. you know. So I think, the, I think once they get to that, after those, you know, they'll be down to 16, which would – you know, be the, the, be the playoff field in past years. And so I'm sure that they're going to try to do, I think we talked about this a little bit last week and I'm not, I, I don't ever look too far down the road at these things because um, especially it's kind in, of a fruitless endeavor. In 2020. Right. Well, that's a whole other thing, but I'm assuming they'll use kind of as they have, as they did last year, a little bit of that East West split, you know, where you don't want just like the crazy, you don't just seed it one through 16. So you've got, you know, Sioux city going to Dubuque on, on a night or even, you know, even like you're not having all the Des Moines Metro teams crisscross over to Eastern Iowa and back. You kind of try to keep it split that way, but you do kind of try to keep that one through 16 seeding a little bit where you don't want, you know, the team that you deem to be the four seed playing the, the seven seed in the first round, you know, you kind of try to separate them as best you can. So that's Liberty at Dubuque Hempstead. A week That'll be a tough match. That's a tough game for them. Um, Hempstead's Hempstead, good. I've seen a little bit of Hem- Hempstead on the highlights. Looks like a solid squad. Yeah, they're good. We'll get so into that's, that, that more next week with yep. the, the preview of that yep. game. Um, one thing I – before we leave 4A, and I was just glancing through the pods, Ryan, one thing I never thought I would see coming into this this season. I know where you're going. This West is West Des Moines Valley. Valley on the road for the first. They're in Council Bluffs. Council Bluffs, Abe Lincoln. Right. Wow. Yep. And um, if you're just going off, re- and you know this. I'm not. I'm not up to date or up up to speed on those teams the way that you know a lot of people are, whether it's media or fans or whatever. But. You know, I mean, if you follow football in the state, you, f- you follow 4A more or less. Right. And if you follow 4A, you, you, you kind of know what Valley and, and those guys, Valley and Dowling, they've been kind of on another plane the last few years. But the other one, if you follow recent success that I didn't really realize, and we talked about this, Southeast Polk is very good. They have been good. You know, it's not a, it's not a surprise. Um, you know, Ankeny has been a little bit up and down. They were very good for a long time. I think they right. won it in then they 10 maybe. And they added the extra high school when they added – Right, and Centennial has been the better – had more success in the most recent years. They've been at the Dome several times when I was up there for West in that opposite semifinal. Yeah. And they're at, like, Sioux City East. Like, they have, like, a win or two this year. So, they, they're kind of in that – you don't expect to ever see them, you know, one or two win Centennial, and they must be down as well. I, I can't speak to it, but I think they're on the road in, in Sioux City, if I remember right. Yep, so. Sioux City East. So yeah, um, and Sioux City, Sioux City Easton is it? Is it uh, Abe Lincoln? Is that who, or is it Thomas Jefferson? What Valley? Those council- Valley's at Lincoln. At Lincoln, okay. So Lincoln and and uh, Sioux City East are both you know one maybe I think one lost teams and they're both ranked in the AP poll this week. So 
if you're looking for somebody that th those teams for me all the way across the state, they're always kind of those, you know, you're not sure what they have as much, but those are games that I'm interested to see because I'm not, I'm not sure what those, what those two teams bring They're Obviously you get to six wins or, or five wins in a seven game schedule. Like you're obviously good. So I'll be curious. I'll be kind of keeping an eye on those. That's kind of the litmus and, test, isn't it, Ryan? If, if Centennial and, and Valley go out there and win those two games, then you're like, uh Oh, here we go. Central Iowa again. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Up. And the flag goes up and you're like, all right, now how good is Southeast Polk and how good is Waukee? If, right. You know, Centennial and Valley are going out and winning against, you know, one loss teams on right. the Western part of the state. Right. Yeah. And it'll be, once you get to that 16 and especially those quarterfinals, it'll be really fun. Um, but yeah, if, if those two win that, because you assume, you know, that, that Southeast Polk's going to win and that Waukee's going to win and that Johnston is going to win and that Urbandale is going to win and Ankeny is going to win. So now all of a sudden you're looking at, just by sheer numbers, right. you're like, man, there's like 10 CIML teams of these 16 teams <laughs> remaining or nine or whatever it is. Right. And we've had that at the you know, state basketball tournament some of these times where you're just – you're looking at the program and you're like, how many CIML teams are here? <laughs> so looking forward to the 4A. I think that'll be interesting. Uh, um, we'll see how, as we said, how Central Iowa, which has dominated recently, uh, holds up here in the long run. And if – Iowa City West is the contender that we think they are. Let's move over to 3A where we just had discussed uh, Clear Creek Amana uh, playing Marion this weekend in pod seven, Ryan. That's pod seven with the winner getting Xavier. Right. Writing that one down. <laughs> I really did. I wrote that one down. And yeah. in, pod, in pod eight, you have Clinton playing Central DeWitt with the winner getting Assumption. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if that holds chalk, I don't know if they put assumption against Xavier in that second round. That, I mean, that that's a class. That's a class where when you start looking at it, like I'm not sure exactly how they're gonna how they're gonna separate it all out in three yeah. A. And again, I, I'm not. I tell people this all the time, and I don't know if they listen to me or not. I really, truthfully, don't get too far down the road on those things just because they're going to do what they're going to do. And you don't, I mean, there's, you can, you can take a look at it, you know, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. I don't feel like you're ever going to have that. You're never going to get that close, you know, to, to seeing exactly what they're going to do. But three, a will be really, inter will be really interesting. By comparison, just to see there's 53 teams in three, a with 11 first round buys. So that's kind of how the 3A sets up. And hopefully next Wednesday – or, yeah, be next – yeah, next Wednesday we're talking about Clear Creek-Xavier rematch. Right. And just – I found what I was looking for, Rob, just to give you kind of some reference as far as – when I say it would be interesting to see how it shakes out, you always kind of look at uh, – or I always kind of look at how much of that natural geographic split between, you know, the, the top 10, 12 teams is there to make right. it a little bit easier to seed out. Because especially when you get outside of 4A, you know, in 4A, you have, you know, all the, basically all the teams are in, you know, you have a couple teams in the playoffs that are out, you know, on the Nebraska border or the Sioux City or the Council of Love schools. And then it's Des Moines and over, you know, and, and don't, you know, nobody kill me from the, the Marshall towns or the Italians. That was Ryan Merkin making that <laughs> comment. I mean, I know you have the, you know, the other towns like that, but it's, 
it's generally Cedar Rapids. It's the MVC school, Cedar Rapids, Dubuque, Waterloo, Cedar Falls, you know, and, and everyone knows the bigger towns in the state. But man, when you get to every other class, you have every quadrant of the state from far Northwest to far Southeast yeah. and to represented. And so it gets harder to do that. You know, I know a couple of years ago, West Branch went to Osage and that's even, I guess, technically it's probably on the Eastern half. If you want to say that, you know, 35 is the East West cutoff, but man, that's no, almost I don't want Minnesota. To I don't want to okay. say <laughs> <laughs> So that's, I a mean, it, it is. And so it's just it's hard to it's hard to do that if it's not naturally you know if there's not a a pretty even in this year when you look at the top 10 teams in the associated press poll and there's a lot of different places that do rankings but Xavier's one Washington's two or excuse me Harlan's two Washington's three Dallas Center Grimes is four Assumption's five Webster City six Lewis Central is seven West Delaware's eight Ballard's nine, North Scott is 10. So you really have five that you could pretty easily say, okay, these are Eastern Iowa schools and five that you could say, you know, these are kind of the Western side. So we'll see how they do it. It'll be interesting because you also want to, you know, you want to separate the teams. You want to reward the teams that you feel like have earned, you know, some separation from, from the tougher matchups, but geography plays a factor as well. So I'm just always interested to see how they do it. Yeah, and just as you were reeling off the, you know, especially around the top five, man, those are just some historically strong programs. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. This, the the Xavier's, the Har- the Harlands, um, yeah. you know, Lewis Central's been really good the last couple of years. They've had, man, they've had some of the best individual talent for any team in the state for the last four or five years now. I mean, you cover recruiting, Rob. How many power five guys has Lewis Central had in the last? As, three or four as, years as many as anybody in the state and they've got um they've obviously got the the best tight end in the state who's, who's also one of the best tight ends in the country and thomas fedoni who's going to nebraska and then they also have a, a defensive lineman i believe is a junior in hunter Deo, who already has offers from iowa, so iowa have, state nebraska okay. so yeah they're so i didn't even i i didn't even realize that that they but i mean you go back to they've had you know, obviously Max Duggan is a really good power five quarterback right now. And yep. um, they had a defensive lineman, right. That went to, that's at Iowa now. Um, if is that right. Yeah. Now you're now I'm, his name is escaping me and I'm looking, I can he see was a really face good. in my head and it'll come to me, but uh, yeah, but he I was mean, a really, really good player. They consistently have, you know, multiple D one kids on that, in that program. So, yeah. All right, let's slide over to two A. And as we mentioned before we started recording, we have we have a, a representative in every <laughs> class, so we're going to kind of touch on each of these uh, each of these classes. Uh, the two A team down from three A last year is Solon, and that is in pod number nine. Ryan, pod nine, got that? Pod nine. <laughs> Solon with a bye this week will play the winner of Old Wine at South Tama County. So if you just go off chalk, you know, South Tama is the home team. If it is South Tama, that's a rematch. Uh, Solon won over there, I think 42 to 14 in week three or four. So this is kind of when you get into the, I mean, you're looking at another potential rematch, just like um, Clear Creek and Xavier. You know, this one, 
the first time went differently, you know, stolen one pretty comfortably, but assuming that's what it is, um, you that's know, a nice draw. It was, that's, that's a good draw. It was, it was 42 to 14 the first time. Um, I, or maybe it was 42 to seven. I can't remember, but comfortable win for Solon. Um, yeah, that's a good draw. Team has a really if look. If you just look one pod down to pod 10, you've got Vinton Shellsburg at Mount Vernon and West Liberty at Makokita. That that's, those are the matchups in pod 10 and you compare that to what Solon has. I, I would say Solon's got a pretty favorable draw. Yeah. And like, I, we've talked about this with them before started out own two. You know, they took care of business in the district. They were impressive against Mount Vernon. But when you look at the two A teams around this side of the state, again, you break it down. I think it's going to set up well for them all the way. I really do. And I'm not saying that I'm not taking anything away from other, other teams or anything like that. I don't watch these other teams all the time. I don't know. You know I can't tell you exactly how talented or, or what a lot of these other teams have. But I'm just saying I think it's going to set up well for them. You assume that they'll try to avoid – a Solon Williamsburg rematch for as long as they can, just based on the fact that they did play in the regular season and they usually try to do that. Um, and then when we, what we were just talking about with kind of the balance of power, you look at the rest of the top AP top 10 in 2A, George, uh, Central Lion, George Little Rock is two, Prairie City Monroe is three, West Lions four. Um, so you have three, you know, if you, you know, PCM, kind of central Iowa but too far western Iowa teams in there and then the only other kind of and then you have an Esterville Lincoln Central eight Atlantic and West Marshall so that's one where the top 10 is almost all you know, outside of what you would consider eastern Iowa the one team to maybe look for someone ended up with eventually down the road at some point is Comanche who's six um, I don't know that much about Comanche uh, so I mean well, if they end up matched up with them we'll deep that dive deep into it just like we did today with with Marion and the Tumwa. But the one, if you're someone that you want to try to avoid um, on this side of the state, just as far as matchups, and obviously you have no control over it. So, but is Wakan. Um, they won it last year. They're really good. They're always really good. They have their quarterback back. I'm not saying someone can't beat them. I'm just saying that you, it's kind of like what we talked about last week when you wait for those pairings to come out who you want to kind of avoid. Like, I just think, in my opinion, you know, you'd probably rather have just about anybody on the opposite side of the state, especially because uh, I don't want to drive to Wakan. <laughs> and if they play there, I probably will because yeah, it would be a great a, game. I mean, I'd love to watch it, but look at if Wacon, we go to Wakan, I'm going to make you drive. So, <laughs> Wakan, Williamsburg, Solon, all on this side. That's 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 a tough road. Right, and if you throw Comanche in there, right again. I don't know anything about those teams other than the, the historic side of it as, as kind of what I think you're going off of. If you look at it and you look down the road um, and they do an East-West split, especially with there being some really good teams on the other side of the state in 2A with West Lion, um, Central Lion, George Little Rock, um, and PCM, who's, you know, PCM I think won it two years ago. They've, been, they've had a really strong program for the last few years. They've earned that right. Prairie City Monroe. Thank you. So if you look at it, I'll, I'll sum it up. I would assume if it's those eight in the quarters, you know, you mentioned the four on this side. Let's just say it is like a Solon, Comanche, Williamsburg, Wakan on the east side. And then if you say it's Central Lion, PCM, West Lion, and, you know, uh, uh, Atlantic or West Marshall or somebody on the other side, and it could very well be somebody else, you know, Spirit Lake or whoever. 
But if that's what it ends up being, you kind of look at in those quarterfinals, if you're Solon, would you rather have Wakan, Williamsburg, you know what I mean? Because it's probably going to be just based on rankings in, in past history, right. although Solon's been extremely successful too. You look at somebody's going to get Wakan and, and um, Wakan has one loss to 3A Decora and uh, Williamsburg's undefeated and beat Solon. So you figured those would be the top two seeds. So if you're Solon and Comanche and, and they continue to win and they're the other seed, you know, they're the three and four seed on this side. If you're Solon, who would you rather at? Would you rather get another shot at Williamsburg or play Wakan? I'm just pointing that out. I don't have a feeling about it. We'll get, you know, we'll but that's probably we get to Ryan, you're looking right. too far ahead. I, I told you somebody will probably be like, guys, we have to take, you mentioned the cliches. We have to take it one game at a time. I can look at, I can look at next year if I want. I don't play. We can talk about our two early top 10 for 2027. I've been scouting the flag football games around here that my son plays in. I couldn't even, I don't know. I, we can, we can go as far out as you want, Rob. I don't know anything about it. but we Maybe do we'll it. do that on next week's podcast. For this podcast, we're moving on to 1A. And, again, a representative here. And we are in pod number 10, Ryan. That's pod 10. Van Buren this- County at Mediapolis plays Friday at Mediapolis this Friday. And the winner will play West Branch. Um. There's a lot being getting back to being more serious now, Rob. I'm, I'm no, getting, why, I'm getting why, track here. why do that? We can, nobody wants serious. Um, there's a, you know, there's a lot that goes into to scheduling as far as, you know, who we have at each game and, and, and where you go. And, and we believe it or not, we don't just roll a dice or flip a coin or whatever. We have a, we, we have a lot of things that we look at as far as how we're going to do how we're going to set up our Friday night coverage schedule. What he's saying is while it looks like we don't have a plan, we do have a plan. Exactly. We, we just look like we have no idea what we're doing. We actually <laughs> communicate a lot, but um, I, I'm hoping I can, this is the game that I have circled for, you know, week, week two or for second round. Um, this Mediapolis West branch game, assuming that's the matchup and I have every reason to believe that it would be based on, you know, when you look at Van Buren and Mediapolis in the first round, that, that should be a really good game. I would, I mean, Mediapolis plays really good football. They have for a long time. Um, they gave Regina all they wanted in the, in the opening round last year, uh, or maybe it was the second round either way in a playoff game last year at Mediapolis. Um, I, again, high school teams, a lot can change in a year, but, they're always well coached. They always play really hard. They're kind of one of those teams you, you, you just expect them to be. I mean, I, w- I was going to say five and two, but, you know, seven and two. You expect it to be a normal nine-game season. But in, in West Branch is really playing well. I hope I can get out to that one. You know, that, that would be my plan, see how our coverage cracks, shakes out. But I'm excited for that one, really excited. And, again, natural grass field, the Little Rose Bowl, awesome place to watch a game on Friday night. Without question. Why don't you go through the rankings in that uh, in class yeah. class 1A if you have them. Yep. Um, O-A-B-C-I-G. Say that 10 times fast. And, and don't ask me to say what all those um, – Ida Grove is one of those towns. I don't know. I'm sorry. I can't tell you. And it's actually I, – I actually look it up almost every week because Cooper DeJohn, their, their quarterback, <laughs> defensive back, right. coming to Iowa as a safety, guys put up video game numbers this year. 
But each week I do like a recruiting roundup of how the Iowa recruits had done, you know, do that. And it, and it runs on Monday. And every week I have to look up what those, what that acronym stands for. That I just, I can't retain the information, but Ida Grove is, 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 is part of it. Yes. Conrad, maybe I, I can't tell. Anyway, uh, they're one, you know, the top five teams are all undefeated, all seven and no, they're one Van Meters, two, Sigourney, Kyoto is three. South Hamilton is Cobras. Yep. Southeast Valley is five. Underwood, six. South Central Calhoun, seven. Mount Air, eight. Emmitsburg, nine. And Waterloo, Columbus, ten. Again, that's, that's the Associated Press poll. Um, you know what, you kinda, what I kind of noticed from that right away, Rob, is not really anything from around this no. area. No, you know, the, 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 the districts that are kind of the river Valley conference, you know, that kind of area districts, right. not, not represented, which is also kind of weird. Um, Cascades receiving votes, Dyke, New Hartford's re- received some votes. Um, but they're even in the receiving votes. The other teams are West Sioux, uh, Panorama and Western Christian. So a lot of, and, and just kind of spread out around the state, Emmitsburg, Waterloo, Columbus would be kind of the, the Eastern, I guess, Iowa teams that you would consider in that, in that poll. But this class, I think, is, is good at the top. OABCIG, obviously really good. Van Meter, been really good for a long time. Uh, they were in the finals last year in 1A. They just kind of have developed such a good program. But outside, I think it's – I don't want to say it's top heavy, but I know it's, I know it's really good at the top. I know those top teams are very good. And then I just have no idea what to expect from like 13, 14, 17 other teams. I, I really mean that. I mean, I think a team like West Branch, we talked about it last week. We don't have to go into it now. Um, I think they can make a deep run. I really do. I think this class is open like that. Now, I, I think those top two teams I mentioned are really good. You probably want to try to stay away from them a little bit. But, and that's not to say these other teams aren't that good. I just don't know that much about them, Rob. It's kind of some teams that, have, that haven't been in that you know, usual suspect list when you talk about South Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Sigourney's always solid. But you know, Southeast Valley, Underwood, um, those are teams that I haven't – in 1A, I, I feel like I maybe have my best knowledge base because Regina played – so consistently Regina was 1A and played deep into the playoffs. So I saw more teams from around the state. I saw the Western Christians when they were very good, the West Lions, teams that people like me on this side of the state don't get a chance to see. So I would almost always be up there and watch that, watch both semifinals um, and see different teams from around the state. Saw Van Meter a lot at the Dome. And a lot of those teams that I just rattled off are new to that kind of top five in this class. So I don't really know. It'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. But again, I think that being the case sets up well for a team like West Branch. I really do. Um, them at full strength, they get to buy this week. I'm excited to see. Again, circle that Mediapolis game. I think that's going to be one of the best matchups of that second round um, in, in, maybe in a lot of classes. I don't say yeah. every class. I haven't looked at every matchup. But when you look at kind of what some of the potential 3A and 4A matchups will be, I think that – Assuming that takes shape, Mediapolis at West Branch, I think that'll get a lot of attention as one of the better games in the state that night. Yes, and uh, we will um, preview. If it does turn out that way, we will preview the Mediapolis at West Branch game next Wednesday. 
um, feel pretty good about saying that that can't, the probability of that is 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 really good. I, and I don't know who yeah. Minneapolis lost to this year, but two losses is pretty good. Two losses. I, I think they lost to West Liberty early, if I remember right. Um, and I don't know if that West Liberty solid. Yep, absolutely they are. And we'll finish up with uh, the team you were just talking about that has now moved from 1A to A, and that's Iowa City Regina. Gets the bye this week, will not play. And uh, we're going – I noticed that we're going higher in, bo- in uh, pods here as we go through our classes with our teams. Regina is in pod 12. That's pod 12 okay. for Regina. And um, we'll play the winner next week of uh, this Friday's game between Columbus Community at Wapolo. That'll be a rematch for them. Both those teams were um, district opponents for them this year. So um, obviously wins since they've won six in a row and, and went unbeaten in district play. So they'll have a familiar opponent. I, you know, I mean, we'll see who it is. I, I think I know Wapolo won the regular season meeting between those two teams pretty, pretty handily, but um, Regina's going to have an opening round game that it should that it should win. You know, it won that game during the regular season. As we kind of talked about, you know, I guess with Clear Creek, it was they had played Mary Mary in the season before, but uh, it's a game is, you certainly uh, Regina Regina is one of only five teams in this class to get a first round bye. Of the fifty nine teams, Regina is one of five teams, so kind of puts that that's in been, perspective. Exactly, and that was something that we talked about leading up to that I didn't do a probably a very good job of explaining, but every class has, um, or a lot of the classes, I should say every class, you know, they have different numbers of participating teams. Right. And so you kind of have to follow a different format in each class to get down to that 32 team bracket. You know, the biggest discrepancy is 4A this week where there's only eight teams playing and there's four games. So basically, you know, they went with a lot of quote unquote first round buys, you know, a few first round games, and they're just trying to get it down to, to 16 games next week is what they're trying to do, you know, in, in all these classes. So you see it in the smaller classes where it truly is that like, if you're not playing this week, you earn the fact that you're not playing this week. And that's, I think that's what you're saying about Regina. You know I mean? It kind of tells you um, what type of regular season they have super impressive in district play. Um, I'll run down the, the top 10 in a Rob. All right. Hit um, us with that. Grundy Centers one, St. Ansgar two, Regina three, and then it's Edgewood Colesburg, West Hancock, Logan Magnolia, uh, MFL Marmac, Wapsie Valley, South Winnesheek, and Lisbon. So Lisbon, uh, for reference, they're ten, they're five and two. Uh, Regina handled them. It was a pretty good game, but Regina kind of pulled away from them. Yeah, I saw the, second, the first half of that game. Half. Yeah, I saw the first half of that game in Lisbon. Solid team. Certainly, I would favor Regina you know, pretty heavily yeah. in a, in a game, you know, with, with Lisbon, but not a, not a bad team by any means. Right. I, I mentioned it earlier, just from the way I look at things and, and I love my job and what I get a chance to do here doing this stuff, but it's always fun. Um, when you kind of get a dive into different stuff, I can't tell you a lot about any of these teams just because, you know, in past years, dude, like, it's like a lot of teams, about, man, there's 59 freaking teams. In this class. And That's a lot. We haven't had, I haven't, I haven't had an A team. You know, we haven't covered you know, our smallest class the previous years was 1A and West Branch yeah. and Regina were both 1A. And I haven't covered an A team since um, our class A game or team 
uh, I haven't had a class A team in my coverage area since my press citizen days um, covering Lone Tree when they were A and Highland was A then I believe too. But um, so yeah, so in some of these teams, you know, South Winnesheek I know um, was 1A and Wapsie Valley was 1A. They played Regina in the playoffs or no, uh, South Win I think was, I don't know if Wapsie Valley ever was, but anyway, um, a lot of these teams, uh, and, and you kind of anticipate Regina at three with that one loss being to a undefeated top five, four, a team has probably earned a home game, you know, through the, through the uni dome, you would assume, but, and that's good for me and Rob, because I don't know where any of these places are at. And I've lived in Iowa for all but like 10 years of my life. And I still don't think I could drive to, I could drive to Grundy center, but man, a lot of these top 10 teams, I don't think I could find. So I, Rob would just have to enter into his GPS unless he knows where these places, where some of these, some of these towns are, but, um, that is fun. I, I joke about that, but I, I really do. That's another thing I like about the playoffs is when you have the opportunity and it wasn't playoffs, but I went up to Dyke New Hartford for a game last year, Rob, for the last game of the regular season. That was fun just to kind of see some of these, these towns that take a lot of pride yeah. in their high school football stadium. And it's a cool experience on Friday night. And there are a lot of the places around, I mean, there's around here, you know, we talk about Bates field or, or, you know, the little Rose bowl or even, you know, West high has a great, all of our schools have really nice football facilities. They really do. And in cool places to watch games. And you go to a lot of these other places around the state and you realize that in each pocket of the state, there's schools just like that everywhere, yeah. you know, sure. and it's, it really is fun because I get, I hadn't been to Dubuque for years and went up to Dalzell field for that Thursday night West high game. That's a really cool stadium. And I was there when I was in high school to watch, watch my classmates play, but hadn't been there in years and they've done a lot of work for that. So it is always fun to get out to these, 1A, 2A, A games and, and see, especially in the playoffs, when these teams make it far and, and there's big crowds and, and um, you know, just the excitement around town. So maybe we will be able to make a road trip this year. We'll see, or, or I make a road trip, but we've done, I've done some pretty cool ones in the past. I, I went to Van Meter a couple of years ago when West Branch was out there. That was a really cool, um, again, that town, you could tell had a lot of pride in their program and everything. That was very cool. So done some of those. I just got to, Got to see how it works, how it all works in. We also have state cross country on one of those Friday nights too, on the thirtieth. Um, so I'll be in Fort Dodge that day, trying to trying to figure out maybe somebody will play like up that way, and I can in, in the state will maybe the state will call me and be like Ryan, what would work what would work best for your schedule? We'll try to, try to toss somebody up for your yeah sports. Exactly. We 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 carry a lot of weight around here, Rob. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, <laughs> So we're going to wrap it up there, and at least for this week, because, again, although we can look as far ahead as we want to. Right. We're, we we're don't gonna, know what's going to happen. We're, we're not going to right now, and right. We're, we're local this week. You've got right. Ottumwa at Bates Field, Iowa City City High, Friday night, 7 o'clock, and that coincides with uh, Marion at Clear Creek Amana, 7 o'clock. On Friday night, and those are our, those are our two area games right. this week. So we'll hit those hard. Um, have plenty of coverage for both of those games. So again, visit your prep sports for uh, complete coverage of those games. And Ryan and I will be back on Monday for the Seven Nation podcast, and we'll go over those games, and then we'll probably maybe look ahead a little bit to that Friday's games, and maybe hit some other sports too. We've got you know conference 
cross country meets going on now, some volleyball things going on. So we'll be back next week to, to go over each of those things in the seven nation podcast. Even we'll hit on each school. So. Yep. Hopefully we'll have, I did want to look ahead a little bit this week and kind of just take that general projection and look ahead at some of these because going forward, Rob, hopefully the next couple of weeks we have seven teams playing. Right. You know, so, we'll, so we'll have a long, I mean, we won't have a lot of time to, to look at what could potentially happen when they reseed the pods. Cause next week, hopefully we're previewing six different games, you know, and all seven of our teams are playing. And I think there's a really good chance that's the case. So we'll have to just, you know, really dig into those matchups next week and we won't have time to look at it, which is fine. I look forward to it. And hopefully the listeners do as well. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Your Prep Sports Football Preview Podcast, and we will talk to you next week.